0: If you're made for the glory of God, can I hear an amen? Okay, I want you to do me a favor. If you were here last week at one of the two services, first or second, I want you to stand up with me, please. If you were here last week, either at first service or second service, I want you to stand up. I have here $10 gift cards. I said last week I would give $100 if someone wrote down 10 things They had with Scripture. Stay standing. Don't be shy. Now, you know you were here. I want to know if you were here last week. And if you did your homework this week, and you've got 10 things to show me, either in writing, on your phone, or wherever, I'm going to give you a gift card. If not, sit down now and be shamed. I'm being serious. Those who have it, come and get it. The rest of you need to be ashamed, and I'm going to rebuke you now in love. When I, as your pastor, nobody's going to get one of these gift cards, come and get it. Don't be shy. You don't need to be told twice. You, you, you got your instruction. Come and get it. Let's give it up for Rudy if he's got 10 things. Six doesn't count. I said 10. You may be seated. Serious. 10? What? Got to have the scripture references. I was pretty clear about that. What do you think I do up here every week? What do you think I do? I pray for you week after week after week. Love on you. Those who are watching by video, no one got one. Second service, we'll see. When you come to this church, there's an expectation that you're going to apply what you're being taught. And I could tell over the last few weeks that many of you were becoming hearers but not doers of the word. And that's why the rebuke started coming by the messages. And that's why many of your marriages are messed up. That's why many of your finances are messed up. And that's why many of your thought lives are messed up. And that's why you keep wasting the time of our pastoral counselors, and that's why many of you go through restoration, 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 and that's why many of you are in 101 for three years when it was meant to be a few weeks, a couple months long. That's why some of you are on your fifth cycle of 201, and it was only meant to be six months long, and you've been in it for years. You don't do that for your job. Your boss says, get some stuff done and bring it here. You do that. But for some reason, you think this is make-believe. The problem is you don't know how much time you've wasted. That's the problem. You're wasting your time. You're wasting it. You thought you did me a favor by saying amen last week to what I said. You weren't doing me any favors. I am not attached to you. My blessings are not attached to you. God said to Moses, I'll kill all of them in the desert. You, Jacob, Caleb, promised land. Take their children instead. I'll wait 40 years to take children. You will miss your promises, and it will have nothing to do with this pastor up here. I literally said I would give you $100, and yet I came today with a $10 gift card, and not one of you took time for your own sake to do it. Now I got someone raising a hand that you you did it? You got ten? All right, come on up here and show it to me. Come on, let's give it up for Griselda believing she did it. Got a notebook? Look at this. Praise God. Thank you for being that one. Amen. I'll give you two gift cards for that. I'll give you three, as a matter of fact. God bless you. See, the problem is we come to church and we just think it's gonna all happen here on a Sunday. It doesn't. It doesn't happen here just because you came one time during the week. Once again, I'm not here to pick on you, but I want to be an example to you. That's why my marriage is not like your marriage. That's why my thought life is not like your thought life. That is why my finances, and I'm not talking about the amount, I'm just talking about being blessed, are not like your finances. That's why my home is not like your home, because I take this seriously. I take Scripture seriously. All I asked you to do was what the Bible has already commanded you to do, and that is to hide the Word of God in your heart. The Bible says that he's given us very great and precious promises so that by them you may participate in the divine nature. When we're talking about being enlightened, we have to have a focus. And that focus has to be the scriptures. Now, I've said this before, and I want to say it again. If I thought the way you thought, I would be just as depressed as those of you who are depressed. If I did what you did, I would be just as perverted as you are perverted, still struggling. If I thought about the Bible just the way some of y'all think about the Bible, I would be just as long in 201 and 101 as y'all have been. But I decided I'm going to be a winner in this thing. That's what I decided. Y'all like going through 201 three times? Y'all like being in 101 for three years? It's a seven-week course. Y'all going to keep using that excuses? I'm taking baby steps? Y'all babies? Be real with God and be real with man. Look at yourself and be honest. Do I really believe in the God of heaven and earth who created me in his image? Do I believe that I am in him? Do I believe in the passage that we've been reading? Or are you coming and playing make-believe? You have not because you ask not. Now, I'm not saying that your problems are the reason of your relationship with God. Problems come to everybody. Cancer comes to good people and bad people. My hero just passed away of cancer as a young man, leaving his wife and child behind. Awesome man of God. Nothing wrong with his walk with God that caused cancer. It's just he went through it to the last minute. Nabil Qureshi, if you want to look him up on Facebook, making videos and testifying about God's power. See, that's how he went through it. That was his decision. Because he was enlightened to the power of God. He was enlightened to the hope of God. He was enlightened to the inheritance of God. He knew his Bible. He knew his scriptures. So there was no fear in his heart. And so some of you think you need me. You don't need me. You need Jesus. Stop being superstitious. You don't need to talk to me today. Nobody needs to come talk to me after service today. Nobody. Nobody needs to come tell me I'll do better next time, Pastor. Nobody needs to dap it up and say I'm cool. with. No, I don't need it. I'm already cool. I already got my 10. I'm already praying through them. You part of it. And I got scriptures I'm praying over you. Scriptures against rebellion. Scriptures against laziness. Scriptures against your sin. Scriptures against depression. And I'm not saying everybody here is all messed up. I'm just saying a lot of you messed up and don't know how to get out, and I'm trying to help you. This is what the Bible said to do. The Bible says you're saved by grace through faith, and now you're supposed to activate it. And so we're going to see in second service who does this. We're going to see who wants to put their faith in action. Otherwise, you need to make a decision between you and God whether or not you're just going to be a hearer or a doer. Jesus said to his disciples, those who hear the words but don't put them into practice are like somebody who builds their house on sand. And storms come, and great is their crash. But those who hear these words of mine and put them into the practice, you notice both sets of people heard the word. Both sets heard them. But it's the one who put them into practice is like a man who built his house upon the rock. Now watch, storms came, storms came, but the house stood strong. You ever talk to people and everything's a storm? You know, I've lost my uncle this year, and I got fired this year, and they have a way of piling it all up. Well, my job's been doing this, it's been tough this year. And then you talk to them two years later, well, this is going on, and this is going on. No, no, this is really what you tell me every time you say all that. I'm a weakling, God's not powerful, and I want to be with the devil and his folk. That's what I hear through all of that. What, you think you're the first Christian to have to work a job? Shame on you. You think you're the first Christian to have to hold together a marriage? Shame on you. You think it's so hard for you to read your Bible this week? Facebook says that's a lie. Your Facebook update status says that's a lie. Your, be- your baseball uh, attendance or your watching of Sports Center says that's a lie. You waste time, and you want me to fix it. You want me to make it better. You you want me to be your Willy Wonka, and you be the Oompa Loompas. You want to be the Oompa Loompa, and you want me to be the Willy Wonka. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not your Willy Wonka, and I don't want Oompa Loompas. You could be an Oompa Loompa in somebody else's church. They love that. They'll love to have you there as their Oompa Loompa. But I am not Willy Wonka here. I'm not your one-man show. I am not the star of this. I am not your motivational speaker. I'm not your Tony Robbins. I'm not your Oprah Winfrey. I'm not giving you all a free car today. I'm none of that. I'm a man that was saved from drugs and alcohol at his mother's kitchen table that within nine months was in Bible college preaching. Within another nine months was a pastor. Within about another year, I was starting my own church in my house, and I have not missed a Sunday in 22 years, and I've been preaching like this for about 18, 19 years, getting on 20 years. This is my life. This is my testimony. I am an elder among elder, other elders here, and we are setting for you that example. But I'm here to tell you nobody is attached to anybody for their walk with God. You better make up your mind right now. I am going to walk the path of Christ. I will be obedient to his word, and I'll do what he told me to do. Can I hear an amen? Now, that was a good bru- rebuke. You can take it. Amen. Now, I want to smile and tell you I love you. I want you to look at this scripture and see if you get something out of it today as we get into our message. Ephesians 1.15, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I pray for you and I give thanks for God, to God for you. Now watch this, verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's what Paul is praying and that's what I'm praying. How can you tell me you can't take time during your week to write out 10 things with 10 scriptures? How are you that busy? You are not that busy. You are too busy in a busy body. You need to get busy for Jesus. Get to know him better. Stop acting like this is some mystical thing that's happening here. No. This is seed, time, and harvest. What you plant is what you reap. You keep planting what you're planting, you're going to keep reaping what you're reaping. I'll see you at 40, 50 years old in our 201 class. I'll see you on your 10th anniversary in our church in our 201 class. Because it ain't changing, folks. We'll sit down elders and deacons, elders and deacons when they struggle and have their issues. And we'll have two elders, one elder, one, I'll be my, my wife and I. Listen, we're not going to stop what it means to live for Jesus just because others don't know what it means to live for Jesus. I'm going to keep asking. You know what it means to live for Jesus. I'm going to pray that you get dreams and visions and a desire to put God first, seek his kingdom, and do all things for him. I pray that the eyes of your heart. Now, this is where we've been, and I just can't get off this. This is where I ask you to write down 10 things. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He's praying that you see things beyond just what you see in the natural, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. There may be such a thing as clinical depression and anxiety. I'm not here to come against medical doctors and what they're perceiving now in the brain. But most of what people deal with that I see is situational depression that they have because they don't know how to get God's hope. They haven't practiced discipline in their mind. They have self-centered thoughts that are always about themselves. They're always internal. The Bible says, deny yourself. They're living in continual sin. Is it any coincidence that the ones that I see generally depressed, and I'm not saying this as an across the board, I'm just saying generally the ones I see that are dealing with depression and anxiety are dealing with sin in other areas of their life, things not surrendered to God. And his incomparable, and how many have been set free from depression and anxiety and know the difference? And his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same power. Let me go back. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. See, there's a glorious inheritance. And that's what I talked about last week. And I said, just get me 10 scriptures of your inheritance. Literally, literally, this is what I told you. Go get a million dollars. And it's not like you don't have it. I told you where it's at. It would be literally like me saying, hey, there's a million dollar code here in your Bible that you just go bring to the bank and you can cash it in. And y'all didn't want to do it for 10. Some said I did it for six. I did it for whatever. If I said you can get upwards of a million dollars, would you stop at 600,000? The Bible says the example of the woman that needed to fill her jars of oil. The prophet said, get as many as you want and the oil will keep filling it up. And she just got a few. And he said, that's all you get. Our God is not a socialist. You're not going to get my blessings. You will watch my life be blessed, and you may hate, but you can choose to celebrate and go get your own. Are you listening? I know everybody wants us to think of God that way because we are to share, we are to care, we are to do things for others. But the reason why they had houses and land to sell in the book of Acts is because they owned houses and land. And the reason why they were generous and could do things is because God had blessed them and all that they did. Let's read verse 19 together. One, two, three. And his incomparably great power, who believe that power as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Do you all have power to live for Jesus? According to this Bible, you do. If anybody comes to me and acts like a Minnie Mouse, they're acting outside of the Bible. So that means if I come to them in their Minnie Mouse mindset and tell them, you're not a Minnie Mouse. Baby steps are for babies, and you're not a baby. They shouldn't get offended at me. They should be happy. So take, for example, let's say somebody got hit by a car, amnesia, you know, in the accident. They wake up in the hospital. They got the catheter on. They got all these things. Their body's not functioning right. And they have to wear diapers. Everybody understands. Hey, man, they can't control their bodily fluids. They got the whole thing out. Now, imagine as they start coming to, they keep wanting to wear their diapers. 30-year-old man. And I say, no, 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 listen to me. You don't have to wear diapers anymore. You're not a baby. You don't need this. And imagine they start to argue with me, and they fight with me, and they say, no, I want to wear my diapers. Now they start blaming. That's okay to laugh, kids, They start because it's funny. They start blaming it on the amnesia, but the doctor says, no, no, no. They understand you correctly now. There, there's no amnesia now. They get you. They, they know what you're saying So ask them, why do they want to wear diapers? And they go, I just figured it out. I can just go through the day, change once instead of going to the bathroom uh, many, many times, pulling up and down my pants. I just want to wear diapers now. Y'all would think that was crazy. But that's why I hear Christians telling me, I just want to keep wearing my diapers, Pastor. I just want to keep wearing my diapers. I just want to wear my diapers. I want to wear my diapers. I want to wear my diapers. Be cool with me wearing my diapers, Pastor, because I came to your church Like I said, there are other churches that love you wearing the diapers because their church is a big nursery. And that is why our culture looks the way it looks. That's why their pastors, everybody look up at me. I want you all to look up at me right now, please. That's why their pastors are afraid of me, let alone the devil. The devil already has them pimped and locked up and bound up. And that's why they're afraid of me. They don't want to talk to me. They don't want to sit down and have a lunch with me because the first question I'm going to ask them is when was the last time you preached the gospel outside of that pristine pulpit? When was the last time you stopped being up here like a sissy entertaining people like Nick Cannon on America's Got Talent and went out there and did what Jesus did? Pull up your pants like a big man and go preach. Show me how you're whooping and hollering and works out there in Wright College. I'll meet you there tomorrow. Show me how all your stories work. Show me how all your ways of working this crowd, this nursery works. No different than watching the bozo show. Get everybody's hands waving this way. Get them all doing this. I can get children to do whatever I tell them to do. Go try that out there with the center. Go, drink, go join our gang ministry. And when was the last time you lusted? When was the last time you took something that didn't belong to you? When was the last time you were bitter, or jealous? That's why pastors don't want to talk to me either because they want to keep the jig up. They want to keep that thing going, that, that religion that gets them, that enterprise, that religious enterprise. That's a business for many of them. Not saying all, not saying I'm the only one at a Messiah figure up here. I'm just telling you, that's why many of them are afraid to talk to me. Because they run that excuse to their co pastors why they can't pray and read their Bible, and they want their co pastors to all understand, but they can't run it by me. Oh, you got a lot of kids? I got five. Oh, you be working in the church? I work nonstop. I've wrote nine books. How many have you wrote? You've been in this? I'm getting my doctorate right now. What are you talking about? You see, I'm gonna be real with them and say, this is where the rubber meets the road. This ain't make believe. I am not up here playing make-believe with you. I'm believing that you literally have demons that are assigned to you to destroy your life. I believe they are coming against your family. I believe right now our nation is being destroyed because people like this don't come up, people like me don't come up and preach to you the gospel. And that's why we see what we see in our streets, and we see the young people, and we see the, 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 just the pulling down the degradation of our nation is because the church has failed them. But now it's up to you what kind of church you want to be, because my hands are clean. I believe in a glorious inheritance. I believe in power, and I don't believe we're supposed to be babies. Amen? Amen. Jesus, far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. How many believe in an age to come? Amen. And God placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus fills this church. Jesus fills what we do here. Jesus is important to this church, and this church is important to Jesus. You must make a decision that church is not what you do for man, it's what you do for Jesus. And then if you say, I have a hard time seeing Jesus in church, I think you have a hard time seeing Jesus on the cross. Because the moment I got saved, I had all the reasons in the world to be bitter towards church, but I wasn't bitter. As a matter of fact, other than when I rebuke my own church, which think about that, that gains me nothing in the sense of being cool. It embarrasses me over a live feed, right? Like, man, he had to rebuke his church. Yeah, because I'm going to keep it real with my family. But I had no reason to be bitter. I had all the reasons to be bitter, but I, I didn't let any of those reasons take away my love for God. Why? Because I was an 18-year-old kid and my parents helped start a few churches. I saw all this craziness go down. The first two pastors that I hung out with when I, I got saved divorced their wives. One of them cheated on his wife. I saw the woman he cheated with because he was with her all the time. It was the secretary. In Bible college, the first professor I really fell in love with looked up to as a man like an older brother in the Lord. name was Brother T., Got kicked out from being a professor. Never saw him since. Been 20 plus years. I've seen everybody do crazy stuff. I've had people in my own church do crazy stuff. We've had to have people arrested, not for what they did in this church, but for what they confessed. They did outside of the church, but told us. And we're like, yep, you're going to jail for that. Stay right here. Called the police. Got them arrested. Y'all think this is a game? This ain't a game. You confess crazy stuff to me, you're getting locked up, Jack. You understand? Just because you confess it don't mean you ain't paying your dues. Now somebody's like, what about La Migra, Pastor? You a crazy gringo, you gonna call La Migra? I ain't messing with La Migra. I ain't messing with that now. Ishmael Lopez, he's more conservative than me. Y'all gotta talk to him. I'm not getting in the immigration discussion. But I have an opinion. But listen, I'm not I'm not strong on that opinion either way. I'm just here to serve God. Whoever comes to this church can be fine. But you start hurting people, hurting children. This person hurt a child. That's it. You're done. But you see, God's in this church. Think about this. You all go and do something that's important throughout the week. People here are building skyscrapers. People are here employed to be nurses, doctors, teachers. You guys are doing real stuff. Why would you take this any less serious than what you're doing, if not more serious? And why would I come to you with less of an intensity? You know, we have a lieutenant here that teaches in the Navy Academy. We have police officers that are here. Man, why would I come here any less serious than that? And I'm not saying everything is serious so it's not fun. Joy is the emotion of heaven. And you've seen enough joy to know you can balance out a message like today. But, man, how could I not be serious with you? He fills everything. He's coming back for his church. You need to get a hope. You need to know his power. You need to know his inheritance. Somebody say enlightenment. Thank you. Let me break this down and then get to the message. Somebody say it's just the introduction. This part of the message talks about opening the eyes of your heart. It means your imagination and internal thought life. Imaginations are not just for children. As a matter of fact, we grow old when we stop dreaming. That's why they say, when you talk to old people who live healthy lives, they say age is just a number. Why? Because their mind is sharp. And then when we see amnesia and dementia set in, it's sad, is it not? But we know that the mind is more than the brain. The brain dies, but the mind lives on. The mind is in a spiritual soul that lives beyond the body. But just as if I could not play a broken guitar well, an awesome mind cannot play a broken brain well. And so when brains break, it's a sad thing. But we should never forget that the power of our spiritual soul is to use the brain as a a canvas for our imaginations, to use the synopsis and to use the connections that God wired in there for perfection, for us to see who we are in Christ and to see our dreams that are bigger than our life that we're living now. And some may say, why, what, if, what if we never see our dreams come true? Then wasn't life better dreaming than not dreaming at all? And then what about in the kingdom to come? Does not God keep his word in that kingdom to come? So maybe you didn't win the lottery here and spend $100 million. But what if God put it in your heart every day while you were grinding at minimum wage, doing your best, to think of how you would spend $100 million to make this life enjoyable so you would see a purpose beyond 15 an hour, 12 an hour. But then in the kingdom to come, he makes you the governor or the the mayor of Beijing, and he says, here's a $100 million budget. I've prepared you for it. Sounds like the Bible to me. He who is faithful with little, be faithful with much. What if my 100,000 is for 40 years from now and God is just testing me because he says, Joe, for you to pastor 100,000, that will be the largest church in America, not only America, but North America, Canada, and Latin America, And so I want to test you, Joe, for 40 years. For 40 years, Joe, will you pastor a few hundred people? Will you love them? Will you not compromise? Will you not sell out so that when I bless you with 100,000, you can stand before them as an old man and say, I'm not here for your money. I'm not here for your women. I'm not here for any of your notoriety and frame because I have rebuked Oprah Winfrey my whole life, so I don't need to be on her show. I am here for you and the gospel's sake. I'm willing to pay that test to pay that price and pass that test. What are you willing to do for the imaginations and the dreams that you have? So oftentimes we compromise for the things that are temporary instead of the things that are eternal, and we know a conviction. We feel like something's not right about this relationship, but we try to make it work. Something's not right about this job or me buying this house at this time, and we try to make it work, and so often it's God saying, it's not my best. Stay at rest, and I'll give you my best. Enlightenment means to cause something to come to light and to become clear. And as we've learned in this church, enlightenment has been diverted by the Eastern philosophies, by Hinduism, Buddhism, and they've convinced us that their teachers, Buddha and Krishna and so forth, are the ways to enlightenment. But that's not true. Before there was ever a Buddha or Krishna, there was God. And in the beginning, he made us like this. You give a creature The ability to think about life, you have given them the image of yourself. From the perspective of God, when he made mankind the apex of his creation, what he did to differentiate them from all the animals, and this is why you can eat animals, is he gave them enlightenment. He made it clear to them that they were a creation and that they came from a creator. They had self-awareness. Animals don't have self-awareness. He then gave them a conscience that they would know right from wrong. And they knew that going to eat from that tree was wrong. And when they did, they opened up the floodgates of more wrong than good in their natural body. That's why the propensity for our children is to do evil and not good. And then he gave them the ability to choose daily the kind of destiny they would want. That enlightenment continues now through those who are in Christ, meaning our spiritual eyes are awoken to Jesus, and then through Jesus we see everything else. The best you is in Christ. If you ever see yourself and it's not Christ in you, you are seeing an illusion of yourself, an Adamic, damnable illusion, one that came from Adam's sinful nature that is worthy of hellfire itself, a treacherous, false version of you. I like what Ishmael always says. He wakes up in the morning and he says, Jesus, I love how you look in your Ishmael suit today. You should see Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the power that we need for today's message is, message is the um, miraculous ability and energy to do all that God causes us to do. Now look at this passage and learn some Greek with me here. And his incomparably great power, that is the Greek word dunamis. Everybody say Dunamis. It means miraculous power, the great miraculous power of God for those of us who believe. That powerful energy, everybody say energia. Now that sounds just like the word energy, and dynamite sounds like dynamo, uh, um, dunamis, thank you. And we say dynamite, but we think of things exploding and tearing apart, but this is really like the combustion that would happen in a steam engine or an engine that was fueled by fire and power. That's the way you would think about it. Not something exploding, but something moving. God gives us miraculous power, powerful energy. Now watch this. It's the same mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you today. The same energy that fueled the life of Jesus, is in you today. So that means there is no excuse to why you and I are not living the Christ-like life, the God kind of life, a life of power and a life of energy. I want you to think of it like this. God's miraculous power gives us this powerful energy to do all that he called us to do. So that means there's nothing that God has called you and I to do that he has not already equipped us to do. To love your neighbor, power to do that. To forgive those who have sinned against you, power to do that. They don't deserve it, but you have power to see them through the eyes of Christ who said forgive them for they know not what they do. Power to overcome temptation in your hour of weakness. Not that you can do it in your flesh because your flesh is weak, but the spirit is strong. Power to do discipleship, to be a disciple and to make a disciple. That's the power that came on them in Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and onward, to go and be public proclaimers of the word of God, to stand on their street corners and in their village squares and in their public marketplaces. That was the power, not self-motivation or self-help. Power to know your identity. It's not self-esteem. It's God-esteem that changes your everyday life. Now think about this Ephesians 3 onward Paul says this as Adam comes please Ephesians 3:16 I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you See, Paul's praying again, and he says, I pray that he will strengthen you with that miraculous dunamis power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. You see that word power again? Dunamis, miraculous power, together with all the Lord's people, to do what? To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his miraculous power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Christ's power is giving you power. Christ's work is putting you to work. And he's doing it by love. When I correct my children, I do it out of love. When I tell them that this is right and this is wrong, I do it out of love. My children right now are in homeschool so that They can do the works of the Lord, nothing against public school. God kept Daniel safe in Babylon. God can keep your children safe there. I'm not a weirdy putting my convictions on you. I always like to be clear about that. But my children are in homeschool, so they don't get the mindset of a demon-possessed culture and that they can go as fast as they can move to see what God has for them. So they're doing two grades a year, and my uh, eight-year-old is fixing to start fifth grade in two weeks because she's just finished fourth grade. And my other one, uh, third grade and so forth. When I talk to them, I don't look just to them and their human potential. I obviously don't want to be overbearing because the Bible says, do not frustrate or exasperate your children, father. So I don't want to be the father on the sideline that's never happy with their performances. But this is what I want to do. I want to discern their ability their calling, and then I want to see God magnify it, amplify it, multiply it, and put a Holy Ghost anointing, sanctify it, on it. I want them to stank of the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? I want them to be so full of God that wherever they go, they just have a Holy Ghost advantage, and people think it's not fair. Like Daniel, why is he always being promoted? Joseph, why is he always getting the best? Come on, somebody. I want to get it to the point where they try to find a way to stop them. And they say, man, look, they're taking all the jobs. They're getting all the the business. They're getting all the economy. What can we do? Let's make it illegal for them to pray to their God, and then we'll throw them in a lion's den. Some of your coworkers and neighbors, they ain't threatened by your success. They're like, let them Christians play make-believe. I want some Daniels and Josephs to rise up in here where they hate on you so much they find out a way to try to stop your blessings because they see there's an advantage on you. Somebody's talking to you. Somebody's giving you inventive ideas. Somebody's leapfrogging you over things in this world that we all still struggling with. And I'll tell you what, even though favor ain't fair, everybody can be God's favorite. If you favor the cause of the Lord, you'll be favored by the Lord. So when I look at their lives, I say, miraculous power, anoint them, come upon them, Holy Spirit. Now God is going to do more than what I asked for. When I close my eyes, I imagine them being doctors and lawyers and preachers and businessmen and women and and missionaries and and inventors. And then I pray that over their life, and God promises me he'll do more. He'll do more than what I've ever asked or imagined. But will he ever do what I've never asked or imagined? No, he won't because the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God you must first believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's why some of y'all didn't go and do your 10 grand, and many of you might have just forgot, so you got to get on your game in church and pay attention. But others of you, you don't believe it was literally worth your time. You may give me nodding or a lip service here and say, oh, amen, but y'all don't see it as a real benefit. And what God is trying to tell you is, oh, there's miraculous power in his word. There is miraculous power by his spirit. There are things that words cannot explain that God will put in you in visions and dreams. Like they say, a picture's worth a thousand words. God will show you stuff that words can't even comprehend. Now, you've got to go back this week and look at these things. Here's now a cheat sheet for you. No bribe, or I should say no reward, from pastor next week. But I got a whole bunch of them up here for you. Somebody needs to say, God, I got to have power to be a witness. Okay, boom, pray that one, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. God, I need power that I can do all the work that you called me to do, Acts chapter 4, verse 43. God, I need hope beyond the scope of human limitation and joy and peace by the Holy Spirit, Romans 15, 13. God I want to bring your kingdom to my job to my family 1 Corinthians 4:20 God I want to have hope in the midst of persecution sickness disease rejection 2 Corinthians 4:7 through 10 God in my weakness in my just in my doubts I need you to remind me of who I am by your grace 2 Corinthians 12:9 Lord, sometimes I forget to do good things. So, Lord, show me to do good things in all that I do. Good work with my family. Good work with the job. Good work with the community. 2 Thessalonians 1.11. God, I want self-discipline. I need to discipline myself. I don't got discipline to get my weight under control. Discipline with my tongue. Discipline with these things. Lord, I want to love more. God, I want to have a better attitude. 2 Timothy 1.7. God, I want to know your promises. God, I want to know your word. I want to know more about you. I want to understand what it says from Genesis to Revelation. His divine miraculous power will give you everything you need for a divine life, according to a God of life according to the knowledge of him who called you, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Some of you say, I lack energy, I lack strength. You know, energy can be measured in your body through adrenaline and so forth, but that's not really where it comes from. As you study, it's not the the egg that comes first, it's the chicken. Many of you are low on energy because your thought life is low on the things of God that give energy. And if you find a non-Christian motivated in life, they're just borrowing from our worldview to get their energy because they're motivated to be successful, and God said be successful. They're motivated by love, and God said fall in love. And some of them may even have bad end goals, but the the motive is a good motive. A guy may say, I want to have sex with 100 women, and that's wrong to do that, but his, his, his motive, his heart is, I want to find love and satisfaction sexually. The only thing is the man who's tried to love all the women has loved none, but the one who has loved one has loved them all. Think about that for a moment, man. But here comes energy. Somebody say, here comes energy. Ephesians 3, 7, the grace of God working through me by his powerful energy. Philippians three twenty: you need energy enabling you to bring about everything under control and to transform your body into a glorious body. God says, I'll give you that kind of energy, not only now, but at the resurrection. Colossians 1.29, to this end I strenuously contend and work with the powerful energy that Christ so miraculously and powerfully works within me. Double dog dare somebody memorize Colossians 1.29 this week. How about this? By the grace of God I am what I am and his grace to me was was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. I'm not letting Bill Gates outwork me for his world vision to change the the, the sickness and all of these things. I'm going to work harder than Bill Gates. I may not have as much as him right now, but I got a God that owns it all. And he's going to give it to me at the right time. But I will not let them outwork me. Somebody say, make it plain. Here it is. Here it is. (laughs) You better get this. I had this here before I even knew I had to rebuke most of you. People have a form of godliness, but deny its power, have nothing to do with such people. Most Christians have a form of godliness, but not an active experience with the power of God. Literally, I had this here, and now most of you would fit into this. How do you see yourself? You see, when you see yourself as that little mouse right there, can you move to the side, good sir? Let them see that little mouse. I tried to put it in perspective so y'all can see it. This is why you don't go to the scripture. Because sin keeps you from the Bible, and the Bible keeps you from sin. This is why you're still in 101. This is why you're still in 201. This is why you're on your third trip to restoration. This is why you're going back to see the counselor. This is why you're on your fourth job. This is why your kids don't respect you. Y'all get real with me, I'm going to get real with you. Come on, this is why. Because when it was time to go to the Word, you didn't take it serious. I should not have to even ask you to go to the Word and get yourself ten things. You should be begging me as your pastor, preach to me that Word because I got it in my soul. Set me on fire, Pastor, because I'm already burning. Put more gasoline on me. I shouldn't come here to raise the dead. In other words, I should come here to give living people their purpose and their plan. That's what we discussed in the playbook. Some of y'all want to be raised from the dead every week. Raised from the dead. I'm not here to raise you from the dead. That's between you and God. We will pray with you at these altars to have a born again experience, to come out of your sinful self. But that, my friend, is between you and God. What I do as a pastor is talk to people who want to do the other one, who want to be powerful, who are tired of being powerless who are tired of looking at themselves for the answer. So if you're thinking right now, oh, what Joe just said is I got to go do more stuff. It just went over your head today. If you thought what I just told you was going to be more religious this week, went right over your head. I am telling all of us, go to the Word and work it because it will work for you. Put your faith in God because he always makes nice into mighty men and women of God. We were not powerful when he called us. So don't try to take the wheel now. No, this is who you are without Christ, but this is who you are with Christ. You go get those scriptures in your heart, and you hold on to them like a sword, which the Bible says is the Word of God. And you hold on to it through every situation you face. I want to encourage you this week. Put ten things down and stand your ground and put out your sword and say, I will stand here until the very end. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I have the mind of Christ. I have the love of Christ. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm not powerless. I'm powerful. Joe, what if you find out someone in your family's got cancer? I'm going through it like this, not like a mouse. Pastor, what if you find out nobody comes back next week? This is how I'm preaching next week. Amen. Pastor, what if we go through another recession and you lose your income from the church, you lose the building? I'm I'm going through the situation like this. There is not one situation, one fear you can contrive of that I am going through it like that. Let me be very clear, to hell with that. That is not for me. The Bible says there are people who have a verbal acknowledgement of God's power, but they really deny it thereof. Don't hang around those kind of people. I'm not here to kick anybody out the church, but I'm just saying, if you want to be this kind of person, you and I ain't going to be very good friends. I might just stomp on you by accident. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You might just get hurt by accident. You might just get jealous by accident. You might just think you you... Taking it personal. It's not personal. I just decided to be this in Christ. But I used to be just like that. I'm so serious. Why do you think I did grugs? Because I was just that. And I was worse than that. I was a dirty little rat. (laughs) Dirty little rat. Rested eight times. Dirty rat. But God took me and made me into a warrior. Get into Ephesians chapter 6 and read about the armor of God. That's what Paul is describing there. Amen? Amen. How many want to be a mighty warrior? Let's give it up for Jesus as we stand up. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? On the count of three, let's give Jesus a shout of victory. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Come on, let it out again. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Don't you feel better now? You break the tension in the room. I'm not against you. I'm for you. I love you. I want you to make it. You ever see me stumble and fall? Pick me back up and say, Pastor, that's not who you are. Pastor, you were not called to be a mouse. You were called to be a warrior. Anytime you see a brother or sister struggle, come to them in love and say, listen, that's not who you are. Don't let your situation dictate your identity. This circumstance is not who you are. Would you say this with me? I am who God says I am. And I can do what he said I can do. Come on again. Say, I am who God says I am. And I can do what he said I can do. do In your own words, would you pray out 10 things you can think of right now? 10 things you can think of right now God says about you. Come on up, altar workers. We're going to close out in prayer in just a few moments. But right now, (laughs) pray them out right now. I believe, God, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. You are my shepherd, I shall not want. In Jesus' name, I am more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Blessed, blessed are those who are poor of spirit. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed. Come on. Lord, you said I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, first and not the last. Jesus, you said that we would be world changers, history makers, disciples of the nations, You said that the joy of the Lord will be our strength. Come on, speak to yourself. Speak to yourself. Speak to yourself. I'm going to call up a few of you in just a few moments to come up here and to get prayer. Because some of you have been on my heart. And I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. And I don't want anybody to assume why I'm calling these people up. You may not even know the reason. They may be the stars of the church. I'm just saying, before they go, i got to call some names because God wants them to be prayed for today. I want Bertha and Joselito to come get prayed for right now by Eddie Berto. I want Alex and Jackie to come get prayed for by Ishmael. I want David and Amy to come get prayed for by Griselda. I want my girl right here, Destiny, to come get prayed for by Nicole, please. Just a few of you, God, put in my heart. I'm just going to ask the Lord if there's any more. Otherwise, you can be dismissed in just a moment. But let me just see if there's anybody else because there were some in my heart today. I tried to pray for Destiny two weeks ago, so don't let her go, Nicole, until I pray for her too, please. All right, Lord. Okay, I feel good. Just peace. Just had to check my heart. Lord, thank you for today. I pray we leave out of here as more than conquerors believe in your word. Help us to go back this week, find the scriptures and the promises that we can live mighty warrior life for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Give it up for Jesus. You made it through it. Slap your neighbor high five and say, if you can take it, you can make it. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. God bless you. You are dismissed. Feel free to worship. Feel free to study your, your scriptures grows. if you want. Your power, your power is flowing through, through me. me. Whoa! Come on! Come on, you can't. You oh, oh, oh. me. Oh, it's not Jesus.